Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the West Side of Home podcast. This is Dave with you. And today I want to share with you two really weird verses. But before I do that, um, I want to talk about um, how I choose some of the things that I teach about. So a couple of months ago, I think we put out a survey. And one of the questions we asked through our West Side community was about what are some of the things that you might want us to deal with or talk about when it comes to Sunday uh, teaching or uh, through these podcasts and um, just trying to get a feel for what people might be looking for or needing to hear about in their lives. And one of the questions was around, well, how do I choose what I teach on? Um, So I'll tell you the answer to that question, which will lead to why I chose these two really weird verses to talk about. The answer is there's a lot of different um, factors that go into how I choose what I teach on. So it could be anything from things that I read. So sometimes I'll just be reading in scripture and go, oh, this is so good. This is so rich. This is so important. And I want to teach it. Um, It could be an entire book of the Bible. Sometimes like right now on Sunday mornings, we're going through the gospel of Mark and looking at the life of Jesus. Just working through the books, a book of the Bible um, is really helpful sometimes because you hit all kinds of stuff um, that you might not be looking for, but is just there. And as you work through it, uh, you hit different topics or Uh, different theological points. You can deal with it. The flip side is sometimes we look at topics that people are dealing with. Um, So sometimes I'll just talk to enough people and go, man, a lot of people seem to be struggling with this topic or asking questions about this. We should really deal with it um, on a, on a bigger, uh, in a bigger way. And so we'll choose to do a series on it um, or teaching on it. Sometimes it's just things that are prevalent in culture that are happening in the world. And uh, we think, man, we should probably talk something about that. Um, And look at how we think about something or how we deal with a a certain issue that maybe is happening uh, in our world. Of course, we've had a lot of those things in the past few months. So there's a pandemic. We kind of go, man, well, how's that affecting people? What do we talk about? Um, And we look through scripture for, for help on that. All kinds of different ways. Sometimes I'm reading books outside of the Bible that give me great ideas uh, about the Bible, about the scripture. Uh, And of course, uh, a big part of our tradition at Westside and part of the denomination that we're with is centering everything in Jesus. And so asking, um, how does the the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus um, transform our lives, uh, give us hope, uh, help us uh, think differently about our lives and our world and about how we fit in and how we should live. So there's a lot of things that kind of come into play. Um, for some of these podcasts, uh, they, they come a lot of out of devotions that I'm doing, again, reading in scriptures, and I just sometimes will hit a verse or a topic and go, oh, that's good, that'd be great to talk about, or uh, even some other books that inspire me um, and, and point me to something that I think uh, will hopefully be encouraging inspiring and helpful for you. So I hope that that is happening um, and that these uh, are, have been good for you. So here's the two verses for today. And I'll tell you the reason I picked this is because we're working through the gospel of Mark on Sundays, but I can't hit everything. and I don't have time to hit everything. So I was reading today about the next few weeks and came to these two verses and really thought, I'm not going to have time on Sunday to really get into that. But if I was reading on my own through this book and I got to these two verses, I would want someone to explain this to me because it just kind of raises a few questions. So ready? This is Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. It says, it's right in the middle of, okay, Jesus is being, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying for God's will, um, anticipating being arrested and crucified. Things are getting really bad. And he's wrestling with his disciples there in prayer with God. And then he is betrayed by Judas 
And so he's being arrested and there's all these, you know, authorities coming after him and they have weapons and they're, um, you know, all chaos is breaking loose. And then verse 51, it says, and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And you go, wow, those are a couple of weird verses. Like in the midst of all this chaos and Jesus is being arrested and you have Judas, the betrayer coming. And then uh, this man who doesn't get a name, he's just some young man and he's wearing a linen cloth. Uh, they seize him and he just kind of gets away, but loses his linen cloth and runs off naked. And you go, why is that there? And what in the world are we supposed to learn from that? Whew. Okay, so here's some details. We don't know who this man is. There's some guesses. Some people think it's Lazarus, the one that Jesus brought back from the dead. I think the best theory, though, is that this is actually Mark. This is Mark's gospel, and this might be Mark. So in this chapter, what you see is, like I said, Judas is about to, is, has just betrayed Jesus. Peter, another disciple, is about to deny that he's with Jesus when everything is falling apart. And they say, oh, you're with Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. Just like Jesus had predicted. And all the other male disciples are basically going to run off. And that's what happens with this guy. It says a young man followed him, which is a term for something a disciple would do, be following Jesus. But he's not even called a disciple. I think it might be Mark. We don't know. We're discussing. But it might be Mark himself. But he can't even bring himself to call his name or to refer to himself as a disciple because he's being a, a not-so-good disciple. He's running away. When we're talking about a not-so-good disciple, Judas, who's just betrayed him, and we're about to talk about a not-so-good disciple, Peter, who's about to deny him. That's kind of what the chapter is about. So you have this young man and... Um, he's in just a linen, which a lot of people believe that means that he just woke up. This is maybe just what he threw on. He was sleeping. He's not really properly dressed. In some ways, he's innocent. Like, he hasn't done anything here. But the, 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 those who are coming to arrest Jesus, they don't care about that. They, they take what seems like maybe an innocent person and uh, they, they expose him. Right, they they grab him and he, he seems to wrestle away. But now he's naked, he's vulnerable, and he's afraid, so he runs away, just like all the disciples are running away. So we don't know exactly if it's one of the uh, twelve disciples um, or one of the other disciples, but maybe it's Mark, maybe it's somebody else. But anyways, this person who seems innocent, um, but then is exposed and becomes very vulnerable right away, afraid and runs away. That fear, that vulnerability, the shame takes over. And that's the, the voice that they're listening to or the emotion that they're listening to. So then if you think about this kind of with a, a bit of a biblical background, you go, where have we seen something like this before? We'll go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. You have the story of Adam and Eve and they're in a garden and they're naked. And then they eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree that they're not supposed to. And all of a sudden they realize that they're naked, which means that they realize that they're vulnerable that they're exposed and they can't handle that. And so uh, they go and try and cover themselves and they basically run away from God and hide from God. And of course, that doesn't work for long and, and God finds them and, and the story unfolds. So now you have what seems to be an allusion to that. We're back in a garden, now the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's this person who seemingly was innocent, but all of a sudden exposed. And all of a sudden there's this shame and they take the fear and the shame and they run away. And the sharp contrast here, whether it's this uh, young man runs away naked, 
or Judas, who totally betrays Jesus, or Peter, who denies Jesus, are all, of course, completely in contrast with Jesus, who is wrestling with God's will in the garden, and who is submitting to God's will, and then who is crucified. And so when Jesus is crucified, it says they, they basically cast lots for his clothes. And so here's Jesus now, naked on the cross, full picture of shame and vulnerability. And in his vulnerability, he's, of course, mocked and beaten, crucified. He's killed. It's the, the ultimate shaming. It's the ultimate uh, vulnerability. It's the, the ultimate, you open yourself up and then you're destroyed. Really incredible to see that, that stark contrast of this young man who in his shame and fear runs away and Jesus who remains and hangs on the cross naked completely vulnerable. So Hebrews 12, chapter 2, I'll read chapter 1 too. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's on the cross naked. It is like the most shameful picture that you can possibly fathom or imagine. And Jesus, despising the shame, hung there and was crucified. And he didn't run away from it. He endured it for the joy set before him because there was something greater. There was a greater joy for him to endure that kind of shame And even the fear and the anxiety that we see he had in the garden of Gethsemane when he prays for his father to take this cup away if there's any other way. And yet he commits to doing his will. And we see the ultimate faithfulness and the picture of utter shame. But then the end of this verse, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he is vindicated. Shame doesn't win out. He despised the shame. God hates shame. And he puts shame to shame in the cross. And then he is vindicated, having not run away, having endured it, is resurrected and is now ruling and reigning. This is an incredible thing. And this is what following Jesus is supposed to be like. Doesn't mean it's always easy. We hear these voices. Many of, I don't mean actual voices, um, but we have these, these voices from outside of us and sometimes from inside of us that tell us we are too vulnerable and we're therefore um, need to hide. We need to run away. We need to cover up that we are not good enough, that we are not what someone else thinks we ought to be, that we should be afraid, that people will come get us, that we cannot be really exposed for who we are. And so we have to run away. We have to cover ourselves up. We have to project something into the world that keeps us safe. And Jesus goes the opposite way and hangs on a cross. And he despised the shame. He despised the voice that says, you need to cover up. He despised those who uncover us in a way to humiliate, to hurt, to wound. But in the resurrection, we see that he's vindicated and that he is now at the throne of God. That it's his voice that ultimately matters. Therefore, those of us who are vulnerable, sometimes ashamed, who have wounds, who feel like we need to hide up, cover, 
feel like we can't be who we really are, that Jesus wants to bring us back to the garden, back to an existence where Adam and Eve lived in where they could be naked and unashamed. This was the, this is the desire of the creator, right? This is a good creation and you are good. And you can be open and vulnerable. You can be you. You were created to be good and you are good and you are loved. And so now, if this is all true, I think one of the messages is that for us, metaphorically, we don't need to run and we don't need to hide and we don't need to cover up, but that in God's presence, we can be open and vulnerable. And where we see that that is a fearful and scary thing, we see that Jesus is vindicated through the cross and by the resurrection. And it is now his voice that matters because it is him who is reigning and ruling This is the gospel truth. In Jesus, we can be who we are. We can even own our mistakes and be vulnerable with them as well because we live in the flow of grace. We live in the flow of forgiveness. We are offered that from God even when there are voices around us that make that hard to believe. But instead, it's Jesus' voice that wins out. And Jesus' voice just like his father's voice called out to him in his baptism, calls out to us and calls us his beloved. And that's where we can live. And that's the love we can live out of. And that's beautiful. And when we feel scared of who we are or what we've done, scared that we won't be approved of, scared that we'll be hurt, scared that we will be wounded, scared of vulnerability, We need to hear that voice again and to know that Jesus despises the shame, but he is vindicated in resurrection and once again calls out in love to his beloved. 